Today I'm excited because we are going to be unpacking, I love this word unpack because the Bible is just so rich and full of instruction for our lives. And what we are going to do today, if you're a note taker, uh, we, I have actually titled this message, Pass the Test. I don't know about you, but I don't like to take tests twice. And so we are going to pick up in Genesis chapter 40 and 41. And if you've missed any of the series, let me bring you up to speed. Joseph gets a dream. He gets a dream from God, and he's a young boy. And he tells his brothers. They try to kill him. They end up selling him into slavery. He comes to this point of getting, he actually, God promotes him into Potiphar's house. Um, and Potiphar's house, he becomes the chief servant. He's basically entrust everything to him. Well, his wife tries to come on to him because he's a good-looking man. And that's Jeremy's words, not mine. He said that last week. Um, and essentially what happens is he is innocently thrown in prison. And that is where we're picking up the story today. This is a fun ride. If you've missed any part of that, I'd encourage you to go back and read the story for yourself. It's a great Bible reading plan this week. But today, what I want to unpack is how do we pass the test in the process of dreaming with God? How do we pass the test? And we know that there are several different reasons for test. Um, but before we get there and you think, well, maybe I'm not in a test. Well, let, let, me, let me help us recognize that we are being tested all the times in the dreams of God. In fact, maybe some of you, you've always dreamed like, you've, maybe you've dreamed of starting a business. Maybe some of you dreamed of certain positions at work. Maybe some of you dreamed, hey, I want to lead one day. And yet you continue to get overlooked by promotion, promotion at a time. The doors just don't open. Maybe for some of you, you've dreamed of having a family and yet you continue to support as a bridesmaid, as a groomsman, you host the baby showers when the reality is in your own heart. You desire the very thing that you are being tested in the weight, in the process. There are so many, maybe some of you, you've wanted to write a book or get into a certain degree program or a certain position in a company or job, or maybe you've been working on, we've got a lot of scientists in the rooms and doctors. Maybe Maybe God's given you some dreams and some answers and you've been testing and you've been testing and you just haven't found the breakthrough. You're in the testing ground. So no matter where you're at, maybe we're not in a prison today. Clearly we're here, but we can be in prison-like situations and circumstances all the time. And I believe that God wants to give us some keys. Who likes an answer key when you're studying for an exam? He wants to give us some keys so that we don't miss the point in the process Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good, good, good father. God, we thank you, Lord, that every time we open your word, we come expectant because we know that your word pierces the deepest places of our hearts, the recesses of our memories and our minds. God, that you're the one that you are the dream giver. God, and that there are disappointments along the way. But I, God, we just ask you today, would you put your finger on a few places you want to just remind us who you are, that you want to remind us today that you are in the process with us. And we give you in, we give you, we invite you and give you an invitation, God, to read us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said, so tests are purposeful. There's a couple reasons, educators and coaches, all kind of coaches, business coaches, fitness coaches, everybody does it. And so why are we tested? There's a couple reasons. Number one, an educator or a teacher, a coach wants to know what has the student learned, right? Did they learn anything? <laughs> Secondly, what haven't they learned? They want to know where are the vulnerabilities? Because Every good teacher and every good coach wants their students to graduate. Am I wrong? And so what we want to do, a good one. I said good ones. For some of y'all, you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Okay, so the good ones want you to pass the test. But what they also want to do is equip you before you go to the next level because they want you to be successful and they want to give you the best foundation possible. And I have found that dreams can be a lot like this. God is allowing, and he doesn't cause the tests, but he allows us to be tested. Absolutely. It's scriptural. He wants us to, to be able to see him in the midst of the test. 
Now, strength and conditioning athletic coaches will actually individualize the program if they're really good. In fact, every week, I, at least almost every week, I try to attend this class. It's like a boot camp class at my gym. And some would call it Metcon. Some of you fitness uh, gurus would know what that is. And it's a class, but before, when you join the class, the first thing he does is he assesses each student because he wants to know where are you coming into my class. He also assesses where your weak areas are. And of course, he identified one of mine pretty quickly. <laughs> and it's strategic that every time I'm in this class, I'm like, my, my classmates maybe get to do a kind of a different exercise. But for me, oh, you better believe he's targeting the areas that hurt the most. Have you been there? This is why we work out. This is why we go into conditioning programs because there are areas of weakness in our body that need to be strengthened. And the same is true. We all have vulnerabilities. We all have areas that we need to grow in order to grow into the fullness of the dreams that God has given us. And it takes time. Muscles are not built overnight. And I would suggest that sometimes we don't like God's strengthen, strengthening and conditioning programs for our lives. In fact, we want to get out of the pain, but there is purpose in it. There's purpose if we'll stay committed to the God dreams inside of us. In fact, we see this kind of as a pattern of God. He uses some peculiar and unusual ways to train us. In fact, we can look back and we can see a little shepherd boy named David. He anoints him as king. He, at a young age, but there's a process between the time of his anointing and the time that he steps into it. In fact, he's called to actually shepherd sheep. And he's out there, and I don't know if you've smelt sheep or gotten close to sheep. You can do it at Mount Vernon if you want to stay close and find some sheep. They smell. You can smell it from like a block or two away. You're like, whoa, what is that smell? So he gets the assignment in isolation to take care of sheep. He fights lions and bears off to keep the sheep safe. While his brothers, meanwhile, are getting to go, you know, they're getting to fight the good fights. They're fighting giants and, uh, you know, Goliath. They're, they're out there on the front lines and, and David is in, is in the field writing love songs to Jesus. What a training ground to be a king. You look at Moses. Moses, his mom literally has to abandon him to keep him safe, which seems like an oxymoron puts him in a wicker basket in the middle of the Nile with crocodiles. I mean, we could just sit here all day and talk about the dangers of what this, this child was put into. And he's raised by, in, in Pharaoh's household by his daughter, only to be betrayed, only to be exiled from the very land that, that had kept him. They had, they had raised him and now they're exiling him. Can you imagine the rejection and the abandonment that must have happened? Only to be called back to be a deliverer for his people, God's got some peculiar training ways. And they are not ours, I can assure you. We want the linear path. We want step one. If you're like me, I want, give me a step. Come on, give me a step. Let me see, where am I going? What am I doing? Some of you are asking that question right now. God, what's your dream for my life? How do I get there? Just give me the blueprint. I'll run with it. I'll catch you on the other side. And that is exactly why he doesn't. The most important thing that we have to realize is we have to settle in our hearts, church, that God's plans are good for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, if you don't know this scripture, and even if you do, you need to plaster it, tattoo it on your heart so that when you're in the prison-like situations, you will remember, wait a minute, wait a minute, I know the end of this story, and God's heart over me is good, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. Will it look like the picture in your mind? No, probably not, but it's good if we'll trust God's ways and we won't abort the process. If we're gonna pass the mini test of a dreamer, then we're gonna need to know what's on the test. If you wanna pass it, it's kinda like an open book test. The Bible is like an open book test. The answers are there, you just have to look for them. And sometimes we're like, no, we just want them to jump off the page at us. What fun is that? What will we learn? Will we know the heart of God if he made it so easy and yet it's so plain, it's, it's in plain sight? 
Genesis 41, read with me on the screen. Sometime later, later the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to to them the next morning, he said that they, he saw that they were dejected. How's that for, whew, I need some water. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Now we know that jo- Joseph, we're going to call him Joe because I've been saying Joseph like all morning. Can I just say Joe? Is that all right? Okay, great. We're going to talk, call him Joe. So Joe successfully interprets the dream and the dream actually comes to pass, both of them. But we also see that what you're seeing is Joseph is having a similar experience to the one that he just had. Remember, he's in Potiphar's house and he becomes like the number two. He becomes in charge. He, he's calling shots. In fact, uh, the scholars believe that actually he was more trusted than even Potiphar's wife who lied on him. And so he's risen to this place and we see it doesn't take long for him to be recognized again. And now he's leading. He's kind of chief among prisoners to the to the prison guard. So we see that God's favor is still on him. That's where we left off last week. And then also, in addition to that, we see that Joseph's gifts are recognized pretty quickly and that he's already being assigned to start interpreting those gifts again. He's getting pulled on to do that. And what's interesting is Joseph is actually, this is why I know it's a test. Joseph is asked to interpret the dreams while he is likely, he's a human, Joe's, Joe's just like us. He's wondering, what kind of training program is this? What are you doing, God? Have you forgotten me? And he is asked to now interpret the dreams of someone else and serve them. You know, it's so easy to be fixated on our own dreams and it's so easy to be focused on where we're going that we completely forget that part of the process is using those same gifts to serve others in the way. On the way, we're still serving. We're saying, yes, God, I will serve someone else's dream. And I really, even as I studied for this message, I felt there were, there were some people here today that needed to be reminded of the heart of God over your life, and that what you are doing now is preparing you for the next assignment. You may be squirming, and there are a lot of situations where we're, um, we get uncomfortable in the process, and God wants to remind you, you're right where you need to be. He just wants to give you an answer key. He wants to help you in the process today, which leads us to our first point in the first test that we see Joseph overcomes. The test of comparison produces humility. If you are taking notes, the test of comparison produces humility. We can see that Joseph is having a hard time in this assignment. You may say, well, how do you know that, Christina? Well, here's what I know. When we're, when we're discomforted and, we're, we're, and things, are, things are painful inside, oftentimes our heart is revealed. What's really in there actually ends up coming out of our mouth because the Bible tells us that what's in a man's heart actually ends up coming out of our mouths. And so we see Genesis 40, 14, but when all go, he's talking to the cupbearer now. He's like, all right, we're about to barter and we are about to make a deal. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I can kind of sense a little bit of, I could imagine if I were Joseph, I'd be like, and even here, I have done nothing to deserve this. (laughs) Being put in this dungeon. I hear it all the times from my kids. I did nothing wrong. (laughs) Why am I getting in trouble? How about let's talk about the tone in which you're talking to me about? How about let's deal with that? I've done nothing wrong, God. 
And I can imagine if we could just step into Joe, Joe's mind for a minute and just paint him as human, because sometimes I think we read these stories as if these are super humans. No, they were ordinary humans like you and I with a supernatural God, the same one that we have, that allows us to rise to the occasion of the challenge. And I imagine that Joseph's inner dialogue would sound something like this. It just isn't fair, God. I don't understand. You are cruel to ask me to serve someone else's dream when I am questioning my own. God, why? Why am I in this place? You see, I am an innocent man, and yet I am being treated like a prisoner. Meanwhile, these guys are real criminals. Why, God? Have you ever asked why God in a prison-like situation? And we see that he chooses to serve. In fact, this is actually, I submit to you, where humility is forged. It's in these places of dissonance where you're like, God, I don't understand. You feel a little bit like you're in the dark, and I submit to you that God does his best work there. When we will acknowledge it. In fact, the best definition I've ever heard on humility is, is humility is not not thinking of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. That's all. It means you are not the main event. <laughs> that oftentimes we can be so self-focused and God is like, hey, I need you to realize that the dream that you're carrying that you think is, is the goal. No, 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 no. I'm only, you're going to rise to this position because I want you to serve people. And that starts right here, right now in the dungeon. It starts right here, right now, when you can't see what I'm doing, that you will continue to be faithful with the gifts that I have given you. And we see Joseph do that. He ends up interpreting the dreams of these men. And this is often where we get tempted. We are tempted to be offended at God's ways. Have you ever been there? <laughs> have you ever been offended at God? Come on, this is church. We got to be honest. Have you ever been there? You don't understand we're also tempted to harbor unforgiveness. We see that Joseph has a lot of people that he could have harbored unforgiveness. He could have just said, nope, I am not going to serve. But he didn't. There were a lot of people along the way. And these are toxic dream killers. If we want to pass the test quickly, we have to be mindful Number one, that God's timing is perfect and that if there is any offense in us, God search us and know us. This is a good time to do it when everything's starting to surface. When you begin to realize, man, what's coming out of my heart? Eh, what? That's a little off. God search my heart and know me. Are there any, any people you need to forgive along the way who forgot you? By the way, that's what happens. We're going to get to that in a minute. He gets forgotten. He serves the guy and then gets forgotten. Are there some people along the way, along your journey, just like Joseph's brothers, just like Potiphar who locked him up innocently, and just like the cupbearer who forgot him that you need to forgive in the prison-like situation you find yourself? And this is where we have to put the mind of Christ on. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than yours. There are places along this dream journey that you are not going to understand. I am not going to understand. But this is the place where we have to say, God, I am going to submit this. I am not going to compare my journey to anyone else. I am going to submit to you and trust you, and I'm going to try to keep my eyes fixed on you. In fact, Philippians 2.3 says it this way, do nothing out of selfish ambition. I don't know about you, but I got some work to do. Yeah, yeah, your pastor has some work to do. Or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, remember, it's not not thinking of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself a little less, just a little less. That's all. And realizing that this God-sized dream is about more than just you. It's about those that you'll serve. And I don't know about you, but you can tell when people serve you in a way that is like, man, I'm really for you. Or like, what can I get from you? We see Joseph's trying to barter. <laughs> so God's got a little bit of motive work to do. He did the right thing. How many know you can do the right thing with the wrong motive? You can do the right thing in the wrong timing and it's still wrong. 
It's important that we stay in lockstep with what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, God in us at work. In fact, when I go to this the boot camp class that I told you about, sometimes I have, to, I have had to discipline myself to keep my eyes on my own journey. Because that coach is tweaking us, right? He's like tweaking exercises. And some people can lift a little bit more weight. And some people need to decrease weight. And I have to put blinders on my eyes sometimes because I'm like, I think I can lift that too. No, you can't because you have a weak shoulder and your back can't take it yet. You got to stay focused on your journey and trust the coach. The coach knows you have an individualized training program that is only for you. You do it that way and you won't get the same results because they're not going where you're going. So it kind of, it kind of like, it debunks the myth of comparison because why would I compare you, especially when comparison is really, if you really break it down, it means literally to sift or to judge and weigh similarities. Yes, we are both human. Yes, God loves us and has a plan and a purpose, but our journey is different. So we can't look to each other's journey to compare where we're at in it. We have to look to the coach. The coach's voice should be the loudest that we hear. So how do we practice this? They're hidden just like an open book test answers are hidden right in front of us. They're every day and we just don't see them. We, we are blind to them because our eyes are on that thing out there. And he's like, no, that thing out there is dependent on what you do right here. You celebrate your friend's promotion when internally you are overcoming feelings of jealousy. It's getting quiet in this church. You have the opportunity to pass a test. When you've been invited to serve as a bridesmaid or a groomman for the 10th time. And internally you're like, bump this. Where's mine, God? Yeah, I know. I could be a little raw. You thought Jeremy was raw. You have an opportunity to pay, pass a test. And to choose joy in the waiting. It's not fun, but that's what Paul tells us we're supposed to do. The more Christ-like we become, the easier it gets. You get the housewarming invitation to a house that your friend just custom built. It's your dream home, but you didn't tell him that. Or they just bought the condo with the million-dollar view overlooking the city. It's the one you dreamed of. And you show up with that gift, and you bless the socks off of them, and you choose to pass the test. Pass the test. Because when our eyes are out here at everybody else, which Instagram is doing you no favors, or whatever your choice is, TikTok and all the things, we make it harder on ourselves. Sometimes you got to narrow your view and tune in your ear. I got to hear the coach. What's the coach's play for my life? And I guarantee you, it won't be just about you, yourself, and you. It will be about others. It will be about others. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says it this way. Remember, we have to remember, what is God's heart for us? to give us plans to prosper, to give us a hope and a future. So we have to keep that in mind when we hear these instructions. We do not dare classify or compare ourselves with someone who commends themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. That is just tiring. Even saying that is tiring. Comparison will wear you out. And it will steal the joy of the blessings in the favor of God right in front of you. Just like Joseph, just like Joseph, might he have even seen, man, look at God's favor. I just became like the chief prisoner, right? Man, look at God's favor. He's still asking me to use my gifts right here in a prison cell. It makes it very difficult to be grateful for what we have when our eyes are fixed somewhere other than the coach church. You know, when I was a kid, 
my dad was in the Air National uh, Guard. He was in the reserve, and occasionally they would have family uh, family nights and our family days. And uh, it would get really hot in the summer in Florida, as you know. And so it was kind of nice to go in the cool building. And oftentimes he would take me in where he he was a he was a photographer, so he had to. And I'm talking in the past tense. My dad is actually here, guys. So he's I honor my dad today. He's here. And what we would do, what he would do, is he would actually process the film in the dark. That that's that's the process. Now we are so far removed from that because we're like snap let me filter post we're so far from this but it used to be like it used to be a process and in the film process they put it in a chemical and it sits and there's all kind of steps in between and then the challenge is if light any light hits it the whole the whole thing's ruined the whole picture gets uh, it's just the film you got to throw it out so it's important that you don't interrupt the process of the dark because in the dark seasons where we want clarity so bad that we are willing to compromise the things of God, we will abort the process. And that picture will get real fuzzy, real fuzzy, and you can't see it. And the, I submit to you that the dreams of God are like the old film process. They are not like Instapot, microwaves, Instagram, Insta, all the things. And Insta rice, that's my favorite go-to these days. It's not like that. And that is why in our current culture, in our current day, we have a really hard time with waiting on God's promises. We rush it. And we cause more problems for ourselves. And then worse, we fall into the temptation of blaming him and being offended. And this is what happens because we are unwilling to wait on God and do it his way. And I have been there. I don't talk to you as someone who's done it right all the time. But let me tell you what, once I'm onto it, I'm not taking that test again. I'm I'm, going to study for the test and I'm going to do it because I don't want to go around the mountain again and again and again and again. And I don't think you want to either. That Galatians 6, 9 makes us a promise. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Continuing to serve when it hurts. Continuing to serve people when they're not kind to you for in due season we will reap if we don't come on give up don't give up don't give up God's working and you're in process in fact this is the place in your life and some of you may may know what I'm talking about here but this is the place that I just couldn't help but hear this song playing in my head and yes I'm gonna sing it this is my fight song Take back my life song, prove I am right song. I would submit to you, I love the, it's a catchy tune, but perhaps, yeah, you got to get your fight song on in the prison. This is my fight song. I lay down my life song and I don't need to prove that I'm right song because God's already done it. He's already proved There's nothing to prove. He's already stamped you. That's why I'm not on the worship team. That's why I'm doing this. (laughs) He's already stamped you. It's already signed, sealed, and delivered. His promises are yes and amen. His plans are good for you. A plans to, to prosper you, to give you a hope in a future. It's already done. You have nothing to prove. You do have a responsibility to do what he says. (laughs) You do. There's a part to play. We co-labor in this thing called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we become living testimonies of the goodness of God when we don't deserve it. What part of the dream feels like you're in a dark room. As you're waiting and taking the test of comparison and and you're you're working on it and you're working on renewing your mind, I want you to hold this this, this, uh, answer key in your heart because you're going to need it. I have a feeling you're going to need it like tomorrow. God's favor is on you right where you are. You do not have to look for it. It's on you. It follows you. He's in you. It is without revoke. The Holy Spirit is in you. He cannot help but favor to come upon you. That is who you are. You are your father's son and daughter. And favor ain't fair. And I'd said ain't. I sure did, right in the D.C. area. You got to fix your gaze. 
so that you don't fall into the traps of comparison. You have to be faithful with your gifts right where you are. Well, I don't want to be. They don't deserve it. Nope, and you didn't deserve God's grace either. Use your gifts to serve others right where you are. Well, I'll do it when the dream comes to pass. No, you won't. You won't because you weren't faithful in the process. You think you're going to do it when the pressure's on? No, you won't. No, you won't. What you do, those muscles, every time you go to the gym, every time you pump those, that, that way you're, you're building your muscles so that, you know, when you've got to run, this literally happened. We were on a road trip and there was like literally a snake at Jeremy. Like he opened the door and there was a snake right there. He would have pulled a hamstring had he not been working out. <laughs> you can't wait till you need it to go get it. You got to do it every day. Every day you got to get the word in you. You got to work this thing so that you can, in a moment, you're pulling on the promises of God. Not when you're in the moment of temptation. Not when you're in the moment where you feel the heat is on. First service didn't get that. Be attentive to what God's revealing inside of you. We can see here. We can infer that Joseph, he's a human being. He, you don't go through stuff. You don't go through life's disappointments as a human being and not have disappointment and all that comes with that. And the comparison, God, why me? Why my brothers? Why was I sold? Why am I being sold as a slave? Why am I, why am I separated from my family? Why me? God says, I'm preparing you for something so much bigger, but I need you to forgive them in your heart. I need you to do the deep inner work so that you can be trusted with this dream, which leads us to the second point. The test of disappointment produces faithfulness. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all of his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled or hung, beheaded, took him out, the chief baker. Just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Have you ever been forgotten? You did the right thing and you were forgotten? The Oxford dic uh, definition of disappointment is sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes and expectations. No one likes to be forgotten. And this is an opportunity. It's a test. Because unfortunately, in the human experience, we don't actually learn to trust God as our best friend, the kind that sticks closer than a brother until we get disappointed by other people in the process. Even those closest to us. And news flash for all of us. We are human. Recovering perfectionist. On my, on my best day, I'll still won't meet expectations of everyone around me. And neither will you. And so all of us, the same is true. It goes both ways. Your spouse, your roommate, your kids, your boss, your colleagues, your cousin, your auntie. Do I need to keep going? At some point, you're going to get disappointed. And you have to, this is the test, because we have to learn that Proverbs 18, 24, you, you can take a test and you can pass it. Check the box. I memorized it. But did you know it or did you just know it? You could quote the scripture, but you didn't know how to live it. You could know the right answers, but you had no idea how to apply it. Those are two different levels of learning. And God is like, I don't need you just to be hearers. I need you to be doers. And from hearing to doing is a lot of work. And we get opportunities every single day to practice. Proverbs 18, 24, I need you to know this if you're going to walk out a God dream. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, Joseph has been betrayed by his actual brothers. He's been betrayed by his boss. He's been betrayed by his friend. 
until he got what he wanted. And Joseph was starting to realize the nature of God's faithfulness was what was going to get him through. The definition of faithfulness is lasting loyalty and trustworthiness in relationships. Can I pastor you for a moment, church? When we say yes to Jesus, it's a lot like a marriage vow. And again, we live in a culture where marriage vows are not always honored the way that God intends. The marriage vow goes something like this. I take thee to be my wife or husband, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till that death do us part. When we say yes to Jesus, what we are saying is, I take you, Jesus, as the leader of my life. No matter where you lead me, for richer or for poorer, I am still blessed. For sickness and in health, I trust you to deliver me <laughs> until we see face to face. That is essentially what we are saying, which is a weighty covenant. But if we don't see it like that, the moment we get in the prison cell, we begin to question his character. We begin to get offended. We begin to pull away. He's not pulling away from us, church. He's saying, hey, 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 the secret to passing the test, come closer. Come closer. There's some, there's some I call it with my kids, there's some nuggets for you. I got some good stuff. You got to come closer, though. I'm not going to yell. I'm going to whisper. I need, you, I need you to come here. I got something special for you. I know you're mad over here because your brother and sister got this, but I got something for you. Come closer. Come closer. We can't blame God. We have to stand on God's word in these places and say, God, I know you're working. I know this is an open book test, and by golly, I am going to pass it, and I'm going to find it. I just need your help because I know it is the Lord who goes before me. He says, he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not fear. Do not fear. That is for someone in a trial. That is for someone in a prison-like situation and circumstance. He is with you. He gets the final word over your life. 1 Peter 5, 7 gives us hope. In fact, he says, I know you're disappointed. I know your heart is heavy. I know it hurts. But can I promise you this? If you cast your care upon me, then I will careth for you. And yes, I use the King James Version because careth is cool. <laughs> and because careth enforces, he cares. He cares. When do you need somebody to care? When you're disappointed, when you're hurting, when you're discouraged. He says, I'm your chief carer. I am it. That's why I gave you the Holy Spirit. He's your comforter. He's your guide. I am one breath away. I want to talk to you in this season. You know, it's funny. I was remembering, and again, I, again, my, being my dad is here, it's even more special to me today, that he reminded me when I had graduated with my bachelor's administration undergrad degree, I was uh, in a kind of a, oh, God, what am I doing, period. And the last thing I wanted to do was work in an office with the fluorescent lights in my face. That was the last thing I wanted to do. And so what I did was I went and decided to be a cruise director because that makes a whole lot of sense. And it was wonderful. And it was an adventure that I was looking for. And God got a hold of me out there. And then he sent me back home, right back to the place I started. And he said, let's try this again. And so while I'm there, I got opened some doors for me to work at an international Bible college. And um, I did not want the job. I didn't, but I knew, I, I knew God was in it, and I knew I needed to take it, and the wisdom of my family, hey, I, I think this is God. You should, you should explore this. And so my dad had given me a plaque, and this plaque was like a, it said dream on the front of it. And he gave me this dream, and he, he said, you're going to need this. And I was like, oh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. He said, I want you to put it on your desk because I want you to remember that God's not forgotten your dreams and that he knows every one of them. And that if you will just trust his process, he'll lead you where you need to get to go, where you need to go. I cried that 30-minute drive to work every day, complaining, snotting, makeup going all over my face. But I knew, God, you've graced me for this assignment, even if I don't like it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. 
I had to learn to trust him in the process. There was an international student that came through. He was not invited to sit down in my office, but he did. Now, mind you, I was an executive assistant to the director of the Bible colleges. He comes and he sits down, and all I would do literally all day was answer phones and data entry. I would put in all the information. For those of you who love data entry, God bless you. I love you. you I am amazed at your gifts. But literally, I was bored out of my mind. And I was like, this is too much. De-. Like, it's just, whoa, a lot of detail. And so I am doing this day after day. He comes and he sits down and he goes, what is, what is this plaque about? What does this dream plaque mean? And I, I, you know, and he said, you don't believe it. He said, you don't believe that God sees you. And I wanted to remind you, he sent me in your office today to remind you that he, has, he knows the dreams and desires of your heart. And if you will be faithful in this process, he will lead you. He said, in fact, he went a step further. And he said, your boss is getting ready to tell you, you're about to take her place and go to the field where you want to be <laughs> and go in her place on this international trip to Africa. I said, okay. All right, buddy. Good day. <laughs> Do you know what happened? Weeks later, she called me and said, hey, I, I know you've been working on all my travel for this trip, but something's come up and I need you to go in my stead. I said, dear Jesus, please forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my pride. Yes, Lord, your ways are not my ways. I didn't know that I had to file and learn all these people's names behind the scenes, and then I got to meet them face to face, and that was the fun part. How cool, how, how, how interesting and intricate and very unusual are the ways of God. He's faithful, church, if we don't give up, if we don't give up. Some of the best spiritual formation happens in seasons of disappointment and darkness. He formed the world in darkness, and he spoke light. He formed you. Some of the best artwork on the planet is you and me. Where is it formed? In our mother's womb, in the dark. God is forming some dreams and things in the sight of you in the dark. Don't turn on the light yet. Don't try to get out of the process too early, lest you not be ready for where he's sending you. Colossians 3.23, this is for your mission tomorrow, Monday. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, work at it in all your heart. Strategically plan. Change the diapers. Do the laundry. Do your yard work. Serve your spouse. Love your kids. Be kind to your roommate when they leave dishes in the sink. As working for the Lord not for human masters. We have to live church for the audience of one. David taught us how to do that. Little, little shepherd boy who became a king. His journey was crazy, crazy. <laughs> and along the process, he wrote love songs to God. That's why we have the book of Psalms. That's why we have Psalms that help us get through our everyday. Maybe you're familiar with this one, Psalms 23, two and three. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake, not mine, not my path. It's his path. Winston Churchill said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Why? What disappointments do you need to process in your current prison-like situations that you find yourself in? Are there people that you need to forgive? Is he putting his finger on areas? You've been through a lot. Take the time with God to process and with others and get the healing you need so you can move to the next season. Don't take the test twice if you don't have to. That is painful. If you like that, you've got to come talk to me. That's just hard. Point number three, the test of pride produces surrender. So what we see is chapter 41, Pharaoh has a dream. And he for, he's actually, God is revealing to him through this dream that actually the next 14 years, who, who, who would like those kind of dreams? I'm like, come on, Jesus, give us the strategic plan. 
He gives him seven years. Hey, Egypt's going to prosper. Seven years, you're going to have a famine. By the way, he doesn't know what to do with it. Now, in that time, Pharaoh was considered divine, so he should need no interpretation. If he's divine, then he should know from the gods of Egypt, but he doesn't know. And then the magicians, which were also very common, they would do all kind of witchcraft and weird things that were definitely not God, and yet they don't know either. Look at the ways of God. He brings a Hebrew boy who has been in the dungeon out to interpret his dreams. Not only does he humble Pharaoh in the process, but I think at that point, Joseph's probably starting to catch on. He's like, whoa, this this doesn't happen. That's exactly right, because he had to have a unique training, strengthening, conditioning program for his his unique experience that likely would not happen twice. God is doing the same thing for you and I. And I don't know about you, but that gives me great comfort. That God, I don't have to compare myself, and neither do you, to anyone else. Because God has a unique process for you. Just as he did. But he had no idea that he was about to step into this moment. And, and I submit to you that he stepped into this moment a very different man than he did when he went in two years before. And here's why we know. Matthew 23, 12 promises us, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. We see this in Pharaoh. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. God is faithful. He, what, in your situation that you think, there is no way. God is like, perfect. There is no way you're taking credit for this. And that is exactly why it has to be so unusual. Otherwise, we might run off and forget with our pride that it wasn't us that got us to where we're at. Genesis 41, 14 through 16. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it. This is why we know he's changed. I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answers that he desires. Here's what I know. He's a changed man. Why? Because he took the invitations. And he began to, okay, God, what are you doing? He kept the dialogue moving. He decided, okay, okay. I want to compare my journey, but I'm not. I'm going to choose the way of humility. I don't understand your ways. Your thoughts are higher than my ways. I will continue to serve in this dungeon. I will take my disappointments and I will lay them at the feet of the cross and say, God, I forgive this person. I forgive my brothers. I forgive uh, Potiphar. I forgive the cupbearer. We all have our own list. He did the work in the prison and it did its job. God worked all things to good to, for his good so that he could stand before Pharaoh, not taking credit that he's this great man with great skills. And he was. Jimmy, Jeremy even said it last week. He's a good looking man, right? He's a good looking man. He's got things going for him. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's got the right degrees. He has the right pedigree. He has the right titles. And he says, no, 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 no. It's none of that. It's God. It is God who has brought me here for such a time as this. James 1, verses 2 and 4, tells us how to face these trials. And I believe that because of what we see here, Joseph did this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Just making sure you guys are still awake. We love that word. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Fruit also grows in the dark. And I believe that God was growing some fruit, some fruit of the Spirit in Joseph. And I will tell you why. Because in chapter 45, we see the evidence that in this place, he did not waste his crisis. And he allowed God to heal his heart and he grew some fruit. He likely forgave his brothers in exchange for peace. He likely forgave Potiphar for innocently locking him up in exchange for true joy. I have found contentment whether I am free or whether I am in chains. He likely forgave the cupbearer who forgot him in exchange for gentleness and self-control. I will not give you what you deserve because I did not get what I deserved. Jesus gave his life so that we could live. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This is the goal of the prison. <laughs> Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How you doing? How you doing in your 
in your prison-like situation? Are you, are you, when you get squeezed, are you seeing the fruit yet? And if you're not, he's not done. <laughs> he's not done yet. Chapter 45, fast forward. Joseph's brothers come before him because remember there was a famine and he had been charged to make sure there was a strategic plan in place that no one starved. And now his brothers and his entire family comes before him and the dream he had as a little boy is about to be unveiled. But he's a different man. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here. God is not, you didn't send me here is what he's saying, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of Egypt. And what we know is that, yes, he absolutely teased his brother and they for sure, he probably loved every minute of it. When they finally came, he teased him a little bit, but then he opened his arms and he gave him everything they had. They had, they did not want for anything. They did not perish. And why? Because the fruit of love and self-control led him. Had he not had the prison to get this worked out, he may have been like, yeah, I'm going to treat you how you treated me. You ever been there? God's like, no, 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 that wasn't the point. The whole point of the dream was not that you would get elevated to the greatest besides Pharaoh, but that you would be appointed to a position to serve other people and save a nation. That was the whole point. It was never about Joseph. You know, I can remember the season God was calling me into motherhood and expanding me on the inside. And I was terrified. I didn't want to change my ways. I liked life the way it was. But God was calling us to begin that process and God began to do an inner work on the inside of me. And I thank God that he did. As he began to strip pride away in dreams that I thought, well, God isn't supposed to look like this. No, it's gonna look like this. And by the way, no, I'm not gonna give you the full picture yet. I just need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. And as I began to wrestle with God, I can tell you now 10 years later, I'm a different person. There'll probably be people in my past that might be like, you're doing what? And you got a dog? That's crazy. (laughs) Good, but God. My dad can testify to it, but God. But God, but God. Are you trying to make that dream happen still in your own strength? Are you trying to shortcut the darkroom process? Settle down. What's God doing? What's he revealing in your heart? Lay down your pride. Choose to surrender. It is the way of life. Surrender to Christ. Only, only he resurrects it. And man, when he resurrects some stuff, he does it well. He does things that your mind can't yet comprehend. Because when he gives us the dream, our current level of thinking can't comprehend it yet. So he has to take us through a process where our mind gets renewed and we begin to sit in heavenly places with God, catching glimpses of what can be so that we can rise to the occasion and walk in the fullness of the dreams. But we have to make some choices. I want a but God story for you, for every one of you. But we have to choose to be humble, to be faithful, and to be obedient and surrender. It's the only way to find true life, true purpose, and live out the God dreams that he has for us. It's the answer key. It's the answer key.